Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Bear Den. I'm Matt Workman. I am joined once again by Joe Goodman. Joe, how are you doing, sir? I'm I'm doing swell. I hope you missed me last week when you were when you were cheating on me with Scott Spain Smith. Yeah, um, we held all the uh, important topics for for when you were back, so we didn't talk about any. Uh, there wasn't any love. I promise. We we didn't love each other. It was just fun. Yeah, sometimes, you know, I I just felt like unwanted and I needed some, my needs met. You needed some, uh, some triple S in your life. Oh yeah, always. S cubed, as his friends call him. S cubed. That is for sure. Um, but, so that being said, I I don't think we are going to revisit the uh we didn't get to re we didn't get to recap the Baylor Oklahoma State game but I don't think we're really going to revisit it. It never happened. Of, Who cares? And if you want to do that if that's your thing, um you know we have our daily podcast between Locked on Baylor, shot there. Locked on Baylor between two bears and even like uh the Bearcast. They all covered that extensively. So check those out if you want to relive Oklahoma State uh, versus Baylor. But we're gonna yeah. jump ahead into the the here and now. That's in the past. Yeah, we live in the we live in the present. Right? Yes, N- nobody's lost a game where I sit. We're in the present. Yes, we are here. And but I did want to do since we're not doing a recap. I did want to do like a brief kind of like reset of the Big Twelve. It's halfway through the season, 
and how everything's stacking up. Like right now, I think we can officially say like OU should be like out of the Big Twelve race. Like they're they're done as far they as have three conference losses. So yeah. they the best they could go is six and three if they were to run the table and. After what we saw against the against Texas last week, 49 nothing, Texas beat Oklahoma. I just don't see how you could legitimately say you, like that Oklahoma could go six and three. To me, it's plausible that a six and three team might be able to make the conference championship game. That wouldn't with how tight knit this conference is this year and just top to bottom, how strong it is and how almost there's almost a little bit of parody. That, that seems to exist in the conference right now. I just don't see how both Iowa State and Oklahoma have any path to make it to um, the Big 12 title game because what they've shown so far uh, doesn't doesn't instill in me a hope that both of those would be, or either of those would be a nine and three team. And at this point, I don't see how you could be less than six and three in this conference and make it. So I agree. Um we can safely say both Iowa State and the University of Oklahoma. I'm including Iowa State in here, yeah, because uh, they're both three and three, zero and three in conference. But mm-hmm. both of them, uh, you can write them off. They are the first two teams that are officially out of the Big Twelve race in 2022. Which you and I, when we were doing our our kind of week by week preview of what we thought the Big Twelve would look like. You came out and you you declared, and we even named an episode this like yeah. the eight and four Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, and I chided you and I said I just don't see any any way that they're that Oklahoma could ever be eight and four. They're going to be worse than eight and four. And yeah, because defense is is like bad. To get to eight and four, they have to go five and one. That they they have. They, it's just such a crazy thing to me to think about that that they're sitting like they are. Um, Texas Tech is one and two in conference. They're still a little scary to me. They did, and they also beat Texas, so they can they can beat anybody. Um, will they beat everybody? No, but just by the nature of only being one and two, and and I, I will say I'm not going to write Texas Tech off yet. Um, I mean, they would have to run. I think they, I think they have to run the table to. Get they, I think they could lose one game again. I think I think there's a possibility that one six and three team could make it to the conference championship game. If enough silly stuff happens. Um, So I, it's, it's possible in my mind, it's highly improbable. And if they lose one more game, uh, I I will say Texas tech is the next in that group that I could see being written off. But yeah, as of right now, well, West Virginia state or Iowa state, Oklahoma, thank you for playing. Um, Try again next year. I think West Virginia, I think, should be the next. If if they drop West their Virginia, next game. yeah, they're up there too. I mean, they're all, they're zero and two, so they're they're doing better than Oklahoma. But uh, they if they drop their next game, they I if think, they if they go zero and three, if uh, as we'll talk about later in this podcast, if if it turns out that Baylor wins that football game, yeah, um, that puts them at not just zero and three in conference, but two and four overall. Yeah, um, so. Yeah, West Virginia. You are correct. They are they are the next in line to be written. However, off. I mean, I will say this: they're they're not in last place. So, OU's in last place. So, OU and Iowa on. State are tied. So, um, so yeah, so basically, I guess the if you want to reset the 
the Big 12, it's kind of, you know, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU, those are the top three teams. They're they're all undefeated in conference. Only Kansas State has a has a loss, and that's a non-conference. Um, and then in that next tier, I guess you would have like I guess I'd, I throw Kansas in there as well because they only have one loss, but they're two and one in the in conference play. And then that next tier, you'd have Texas and Baylor. Both. I would say that, that I, I don't know if you're going to put Kansas in the in the tier above Texas would have to be there too. Texas, Texas yeah, has yeah, I guess looked. So. I guess when Texas looks yeah, when Texas looks tier. good, they look good. Um, so. Yeah, true. I mean, I will say this: they played a, a defense that looks very, very bad. So, yeah, Texas looked great against OU, and I, I don't want to be like someone who's just always hating on like KU or or Texas all the time, but they still. When Texas plays it teams with uh, any kind of fight or pulse in them, they don't look as good. And that, yeah, but this is if you were, you know, uh, yours is also in, in play here. True, um, true, absolutely. So. But yeah, and they look great against Alabama when yours is in there. So yeah, as of right now, there are three teams that I think sit in tier one, and it's it's Oklahoma State, TCU, and Kansas State. Those yeah. are. Those are the three in my mind. They're they're all undef- they're the only three teams undefeated in conference. Um, Oklahoma State has a win on the road at Baylor. Um, TCU, as we know, won big against Oklahoma, not as big of a deal, but they beat Kansas. Um, <coughs> Kansas State, you know, it's kind of the same question marks that I had earlier in the like: Is their offense going to be good enough? They they blow up against as we as you mentioned a very bad Oklahoma defense. Yeah go into Iowa state and get the win, but only drop 10 points. So. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I still don't know how good like TC really is. Um, because TCU has a legitimately good offense. Ab- absolutely. Sonny Dykes has done a great job in year one. I, I have but to give him credit. They, they, they have, I don't think I wouldn't say their competition on the defense side of the ball. They, that offense hasn't really been tested outside of, I would say they haven't played any team that has like a good defense. Yeah. Really? I, I agree. So I mean, um, yes, right now, up through this season, absolutely. That that looks like a they're he's got them believing, Sunny Dax does, and they're doing what they do. And taking nothing away from like they have like Max Duggan, it's kind of like finally looks like he's figured it out in this offense. And then uh Quentin Johnson looks like, you know, he's he's an NFL wide receiver. Absolutely. So I mean, they 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 have great offensive skill players, or at least those two guys really kind of make them play at a higher level. But I say all that without them really being tested so far. So we'll see um, if that carries on throughout the season. But they look. Um, if I was a TCU fan, I'd be super hyped. So for <laughs> to be to be five and zero. Yeah. Um. But yeah, then you have the like I said, we have that second tier with like Texas and KU and Baylor, and then I think Texas Tech is probably like a tier on its own, and then you get to that bottom with his West Virginia, Iowa State, and Oklahoma. Yeah, man, I I wouldn't Iowa quite State's, put Tech in that second tier, but they're not in that bottom tier either. Iowa State, man, they are just 
you know, they scored 11 and nine in consecutive weeks. It's just for whatever reason, when they're playing us, they can score. They, they, I don't get it. When they play us, they can score. When they play everybody else, man, Tom Manning is just the absolute second worst offensive coordinator in the, in the entire country. Only thing stay, saving Brian, uh, him from being the worst is the fact that Brian Ferentz is just like an hour and a half or two hours away over in Iowa City running the absolute worst offense I've ever seen at Iowa. Yeah. But, well, I, I mean, mean, they should have beat Kansas. They had three misses. They should have beat Kansas. And to be honest with you, I watched pretty much the entire Iowa State-Kansas State game, and they very much should have won that game. So, I mean, it's not like like Kansas didn't blow the doors off of Iowa State. Neither did Kansas State. It's like, you know, and they held the Jayhawks to only 14 points. Yeah, Iowa I th- State I think they jumped up to 14 sh- to nothing, really, and then they I th- didn't score again. Iowa State could just as well, like, be 5-1, and 2-1 and one in the Big 12 right now. Like, Iowa State yeah. could have the exact same record as Kansas. Like, they, like, you could flip the two of them. Like, Kansas is 5-1, and 2-1 and one in the Big 12. It's the exact same thing that Iowa State could be right now. True. Um, say that same thing. Like you could say Baylor could be five and zero. It's like a couple of different plays, and you're you're a, it's a five and zero team. Yep. But the the thing is, is I think Iowa State and Baylor have something in common this year, which is that there's just there's not the offensive oomph that can save you. In in the past, we've had times where we we have the ability just to score at will. So you can kind of cover up some of the errors in other places. Yeah. And this year we don't have the next level defense that we had last year. Like, let's be honest, we're we're missing Jalen Petrie. We're missing Terrell Bernard. Um, you know, a, a handful of other contributors from that defense from last year that are in the NFL. Um, JT Woods. JT Woods. Jerome uh, McVay. Like, yeah. you're missing guys that elevated this defense. That is not an indictment on the guys that are currently there. I really like this defense. I really like the the players that we have, but there's a little extra magic that was, that kind of saved, that could save us at times last year. That isn't saving us this year. Um, And it's the same thing on the offensive side of the ball, where in the past, like I said, like there's, there, there was like a magic to the offense that we had that could kind of cover up for other things. And I think both Iowa State and Baylor are missing that right now. And I don't know if it's play calling. I don't know if it's youth. I don't know if it's personnel or what it is. But um, well, I think Baylor did better. Like, they started super slow. But, like, if if we score that first drive, I think that game's completely different. And I think in the second half, played much better offensively. There were some mistakes, for sure. But yeah. um, I think that's different than what we're seeing out of Iowa State. That's true. Like, like they Iowa don't ever State, regroup. Is, they're they're like bad all the way through. And th- they've got like man, Xavier Hutchinson's a legitimately good wide receiver. Like Absolutely. he really is. I think Jarrell Brock is a, a solid running back. Hunter Deckers, we all thought he was going to be good. And I, you know, one of my Iowa State friends that night mentioned to me. He said something like, "Like, do we know he's good, or do we just know that he can throw hard?" Yeah. And that was that was kind of like the difference between him and Purdy. And it, it, it's I mean, to be honest with you, it's the same thing that we got excited about shaping over Gary with like, oh, he can throw the ball harder. Um, but does that actually mean that he's the better quarterback? I, yeah. I do think I do think shaping is. The I think the throws but, that shaping made in the last game kind of proved like because it's not just off the throw far. It's like I can put it like on on the money. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. 
it's can't even because but i'll tell you this uh in the oklahoma state game i said we we said we wouldn't revisit it this no, is no, what we've i will talked say. about it already like three times <laughs> the oh, so do you if you remember there was um a fourth down play that we hit a bomb touchdown on great pass yeah you remember that yeah the third down play before that he had josh cameron wide open just walking down the sideline completely uncovered didn't even look his way completely and we were sitting up in the press box like like oh my god you get josh cameron like right everybody up there saw it except like blake chapin just didn't see it now luckily we scored a touchdown on the next play but those are the little things. And I, I do think we've seen that the arm talent is there and the ability is there for shape. And I'm not going to criticize him whatsoever, but those are like the little bits of growth that may not happen this year, but are there things that you look at and you're like, okay, what does my football program look like moving forward? You have a lot of faith in um, the good things that you're seeing from Shapin with Deckers. I don't know if there's, if there's play calling is a huge part of it, or if it's just his first year, his youth or whatever it is, but man, there were some, there were some wild throws that I saw um, in that Kansas state game as much as Tom Manning. And again, I think he's the second worst offensive coordinator in college football, as much as he was hamstrung by the play calling Tom Manning had Hunter Deckers also didn't do anything to separate himself out or elevate his team to make them better, to get them beyond the point of only scoring nine points. So um that's that's what i've seen out of iowa state so tough year for them i know they're i know their fans are highly disappointed um but, but I mean, again, it, they, it was like a re i'm not not re- it's a rebuild year i mean like that's a reload really, team you know it's you you like baylor you have a lot that you left you lost a the of, guy that you lost everybody like yesterday in the nfl had like 100 receiving and 100 rushing yards <laughs> it's it, it, it's you don't replace uh a, a, a breeze hall that easy and you don't replace the beating heart of your team that Brock Purdy was. Whether you think Brock Purdy was a good quarterback doesn't matter. He was the soul of that team. So you don't replace that easily. Um, and Oklahoma, they lost their their heart and soul as well, and that was Lincoln Riley. So 49 nothing to Texas. It's just unbelievable. Here's my, unbelievable, thing. Man. Here's my thing about that game is, so you, we've seen other quarterbacks go down. You know, and you have to depend on – a backup Texas has done it um you know ostensibly Baylor we won a big 12 title with the backup last year yeah and we we elevated the backup to starting because of of what we saw from that player and then how can Oklahoma and we talked about this when we did kind of like our previews like if they if Gabriel goes down they're like in a bad situation and that's absolutely correct they had 39 yards passing 39 yards passing. Yeah, it was in a college football game in the year 2022. Zero points. I just, how do you score no points? Yeah, I mean, especially I was early on in the game, whenever they kind of went to the Wildcat, which was successful, I don't know why they ever went. If it was working, why'd you go away from it? It's not like Texas figured it out and was shutting it down, so now we're going to go back to our traditional offense. It was still working until you call a play for like a, a pop pass that gets intercepted. But, but you know, you're driving down the field and it's a stupid play call in the location. Usually those are, you know, those are like goal line or close to the goal line plays. 
not in a in a position to where it's you know it may not even be a first down you know that's a that's a positive play but it was a weird position to have that play call and it bit him in the butt yeah i, I don't even want to, i don't want to i don't want to stink up my my microphone by talking about the university of oklahoma right now they're garbage they may be the worst co- they may be the worst team in the conference they they legitimately might be so um i don't even, I, I i'm done with them i'm done with them matthew let's let's let the past be the past i don't want to talk about how awful they were and how how good they made texas look let's talk let's talk about this week let's talk about the future okay coming up what's coming up okay so we'll save thursday night game for the last let's just talk saturday let's talk saturday let's talk saturday okay so open up the jayhawks travel to said Oklahoma Sooners for a 11 a.m. kickoff. Right now, what I'm looking at says OU is a seven and a half point favorite. It's a slap in the face. I mean, if you take into consideration, I guess they were expecting Dylan Gabriel to be back. And we don't know, or we're assuming that Jalen Daniels is going to be out for a couple weeks, just based on the what happened in the game. He didn't return. He he looked like he was pretty immobile with his throwing arm. I would definitely say Jalen Daniels isn't going to play this game. So, but then Jason Bean looked like he could equip himself perfectly well in that offense. Four touchdowns. So, yeah, I mean, it's at Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel's return. But still, yeah, I think seven and a half. Is a, is a lot of points for what we've Can seen. Can Oklahoma score seven and a half points? Well, maybe against Kansas defense. I mean, this is a this is the type of game. This will be like it'll be like the West Virginia Kansas game. Like it'll be like 55-42, that type of thing. Because I know for a fact Oklahoma's defense can't stop Kansas. Does Oklahoma have the faith anymore? Do like what are your you, if you're a player at the University of Oklahoma? You go to the University of Oklahoma to win the Big 12 and to fight for a playoff oh, spot no. and try to, try to win a national title. Not based on what uh, Brent Venables said, his comments after the game. Well, like, no, that's a, but I'm talking about the players. I'm talking about the kids that are on that. Why do you go to Oklahoma? They, yeah. You have no shot. Make you, a playoff. Win the Big 12. He, he, there's no shot of that. Like, how do you, how as a coach that you, you've never done this before? Brent Venables has never, ever done this before. And he's supposed to go stand in front of these kids and convince them that they have to play hard the rest of the year. I don't, I don't see how you do yeah. that. And well, I, I don't, don't, and he's never been in this position, even it, as a defensive coordinator. The, the, the closest thing would be what well, I'm trying to remember, like 2005, maybe. Yeah. When they were just garbage. And then 2014, they were really bad. But he was those there. really bad teams weren't this bad. And I just, I don't I don't know how this thing doesn't the wheels don't just completely fall off. And um I I said that I was gonna pick against Kansas every week until they lost. They lost finally. I'm taking Kansas to win this game straight up. Oklahoma being favored by a touchdown and a half is a slap in the face to what Kansas has done this season. I don't care if Gabriel's back. I don't care if um, Jalen Daniels isn't there. I 
I think I think Oklahoma is going to pack it up this year, and I think Kansas wins this football game. I'm going to – I think Kansas covers. Kansas covers? Okay, so you think it's going to be like a I just touchdown can't... or less? Yeah. So right now I'm leaning towards Oklahoma win, but tight. Okay. And that's what because I'm I'm expecting Dylan Gabriel to come back and have he he looked you know well equipped to run the offense. He's played with uh, Jeff Levy's offense before. I just think without Dylan Gabriel in there, the offense just is non-existent. So that should give him some type of. Now I say that knowing that against TCU with Dylan Gabriel in there, it was still thirty-four seventeen. So I don't know, but that's where I'm leaning. I think Oklahoma doesn't drop four in a row but i think it's 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 a close win okay all right well we've already got we've already got a disagreement here i love it perfect next up on big boy abc national television here iowa state uh takes their show on the road to try to win their very first conference game of the year heads to austin texas to face off the Texas Longhorns, the number 22 in the country, Texas Longhorns, who are 4-2, and 2-1 two, two and one in the Big 12. Um, as we mentioned earlier, Iowa State 0-3 in conference play so far. So they're, they're, they're also on a three-game losing streak, looking to end that, grab a road win, and win their first conference game of the year. Texas is a massive, massive. absolutely massive, 16.5-point favorite in this game. That's what I've yeah. got it right now. Matt, can Texas beat Iowa State by 17 points? No. This is ridiculous. I think, yes, Iowa State has lost games, but they've all lost close. They're not getting blown out by anybody. Now that Texas offense is potent, for sure. Um, but I just think they're, they're, they are going to be well-coached, and they may not win the game but they're not going to get beat by 17. I agree. I think the everything that I said about Oklahoma losing three straight games, being 0-3, what are they there to play for? Iowa State is the antithesis of that. Yes. Iowa State kids, they're not going to Iowa State saying, we're here to make the playoff. They're going because they want to play for Campbell. They're going because they want to develop. They're going because they like the defensive system. There's There's a thousand other reasons why kids go to Iowa State compared to the reasoning that kids go to Oklahoma. And I think Matt Campbell, you can debate all day long, whether or not he's an actually a good coach, yeah. but what, but I will say he has been good at instilling the, the culture in that locker room of competitiveness and staying strong and just playing that annoying ass brand of football that they play. They're going to, they're going to be the same team week in and week out, no matter if they're winning or losing. So they're going to go into Texas. They're going to be annoying as hell. At the end of the day, though, Texas has Bijan Robinson and um, Xavier Worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Quinn Ewers gives them uh, another level that they couldn't reach under Hudson Card. But I agree with you. 16 and a half points is absolutely ridiculous uh, of a line. So I'm taking Texas to win, but Iowa State to cover. Final Saturday game is... Oklahoma State travels to Fort Worth to take on TCU. It's a battle of unbeatens, battle of top 25 teams. 
Um, TCU is a three and a half point favorite. This is two thirty on ABC, Big Boy ABC. So yeah, we get two we get two ABC games back to back on Saturday. Now we do need to have a conversation about. Yes, we get the Big Twelve does the the ten twelve kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, we don't get like their their prime slots. Like for Fox, it's like that 11 a.m. on Fox is their big, big, like, you know, big noon Saturday. And then for ABC or ESPN, it's the evening, the prime time. And for whatever reason, the Big 12 hasn't been in that time slot. And because so they don't want us there. <laughs> Why would yeah. they want us there right now? There's no point in that. So anyway, the, 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 the Mickey Mouse company does not want the big 12 there they, they they have good and stupid reasoning for it they, the good reasoning is like of clemson's a bigger name right now when clemson there ohio state's a bigger name like the teams that they've been putting there are like i think it was last week it was clemson now it was clemson boston yeah, college i want to say is clemson that's a that was like a 30 to 3 blowout i would have much rather seen 31 38 tc yeah Kansas. you would have and all of the diehards would have you guys all still this, went and, everyone college football fans would that, that was a better game but th- those people are going to watch stuff anyway. They're trying to get people that are just on the, like, oh, I've heard of Clemson before. Sure. I'll turn that on while I'm cooking. Like that's, those are the people that they're looking for. It's the, it's the name. It's easier and it pops more in advertising. And because they've won a national championship recently, if Oklahoma state or TCU had done what Clemson has done over the last 10 years, we, or if Baylor had done it, if Baylor had a couple of national championships and in a loss to Alabama and a third um, under their belt, then yeah, Baylor would have gotten that slot. But, um, you know, and then there's, of course, the politics side of it too. Like they don't want us looking too good right now. We're in negotiations with them. They have a, they have a strong reason to not want us to have the flashiest, um, best spots to drive up uh, ratings in Big 12 games right now because they're negotiating against us. So, um, that I, I, you know, I, I completely understand why it's going on. I don't, it's not necessarily nefarious, but um, there's sound reasoning for at least the parties that control this for why they're doing it. I don't, I don't Which like it. It makes it nefarious. So, <laughs> but anyway, yes, anyway, they are clear on. Travis they're they're on ABC. What's the line in this? Uh, TCU th- minus three and a half. Minus three and a half. The 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 lower ranked team, but at home three and a half. So Vegas basically telling us they think the number eight and the number thirteen team in the country are uh, even on a even. neutral site. On a neutral site, yeah. Basically, what are you what are you picking here? Uh, I'm going with Oklahoma State. Yeah, same. I think Oklahoma they look like a better team. Up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so for for the non Baylor games, you and I are just the 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 Kansas Oklahoma game is going to decide it. For, yeah, absolutely. God, imagine come to me a year ago and say that I was going to pick Kansas to beat Oklahoma. For, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what, what the hell? Where are we right now? <laughs> All right, um, let's get to the big game of the week. Okay. Um, early week, got, early game. Yeah, early early game. week game. Which kind of sets up nice, right? Like you, you had a buy last week. So it does. So it's like kind of two, kind of get Saturdays. Up, yeah, you off. get two half buys because you've got uh, for the team you play Thursday, and so then you've got an extra two days. You get a long week. 
Yeah, you get another long week. It's great. This is great. This is a great setup. I like which it. is great going into Kansas because it's not the same old like homecoming Kansas. Yeah, it's it's not the same old Kansas for yeah. sure. And um, um but we got 6 p.m. Central on FS1. Strange to have FS1 with a Thursday night game. Why didn't they just put this on Big Boy Fox? I don't get it. Um, maybe they have like some kind of... I'm sure of there's like Mass Singer or something on. Yeah, Mass Singer, NCIS4 or something. I know that's on CBS. Something on Fox. But yeah. yeah. Um, Baylor heads to Morgantown, West Virginia, where I saw today the early prediction is uh, that it will be a rainy day in Morgantown. So And cold. Um, yeah, and, and on the cooler side. Um, Baylor headed, headed to West Virginia. Baylor 1-1 one one in Big 12 play, coming off of a loss to Oklahoma State before their bye week. West Virginia 0-2 in the Big 12, also on a bye last week. 2-3 um, mm-hmm. and three overall. So they've not just lost two, the two Big 12 games, but they also lost to Pitt in the first game of the year. Baylor on the road and Milan Puskar Stadium, where Baylor has never won before. Um, and fun fact, the, the home team has won all but one of the games in the series between between us since they've joined the Big 12. Baylor's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Does that surprise you? Uh, do, what, do you what do you think about this game? Uh, I think that's probably fair, the line. Because I think Baylor is the better team, even though you're on the road and we're getting three-and-a-half points. So, to me, that's fair just based – the way Baylor plays football, you know, we we don't really even like lesser competition in conference. We don't blow them out. You know, it's usually, you know, a one score game. Um, I think this I think Baylor wins. I mean, just outright like they're going to cover. And I think they'll by more than three and a half. For I sure. agree with you. Monkey off the back officially. Yeah. Baylor's going to win in Morgantown. Um, I just don't think, I think they're good. I think Baylor's just a, team. a purely better football team. Yeah. I mean, I've West Virginia's played on a lot of Thursdays. I say a lot. They've played two other Thursdays where I've seen. Um, but due to that, I've, I've got to watch those two games pretty much in their entirety. And you don't, you don't watch them and think, you know, that's a really good football team. Their offense isn't great. Um, and – their defense isn't either. You know, I know they lost a lot again. Another, you know, transfer portal offseason for West Virginia. And they just they've they've played Pitt. Well, that was their other loss, like you said. And and Pitt's not necessarily a good team. You know, they're they're trying to get rid of their head coach, the fans are. And then they beat Virginia Tech, which is, you know, a, just straight out a bad team. So the the only good team they played is Kansas, and they lost that game. And then then they played an FCS team to get the other win. So they when they play a good team, they don't they don't play well. And then you know they don't necessarily play well when they play bad teams either. So I just don't think they're a very good football team. And I think Baylor won't have any problem with them. I also think it's it's another case. You know, we talked a lot before the Ames game about how we played in Ames. It was the perfect scenario for Baylor. I also look at this as the perfect scenario for Baylor. It's a Thursday night. They've already lost. They're they're two and three. You're already in a losing year. And and West Virginia fans aren't as excited about the season as they were to start the year. 
plus it's going to be raining. Those are three huge factors in limiting the amount of people that are going to be at this game. And I think, I don't think it's going to be a packed house. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's, it's the, the least amount of home field advantage that West Virginia could possibly get. And that's going to play right into the hands of Baylor. I think a rainy game actually suits Baylor as we are a much more run oriented team. Uh, West Virginia is going to want their best players, JT Daniels. They want to put the ball in his hands. I think we are going to see heavy doses of Richard Reese, Squirrel Williams, Tamek Williams, Quaylen Jones. I think it's going to be a heavy, heavy run day. It may be frustrating to watch for Baylor fans, especially in the first half. It's going to be one of those kind of sloggy games. But I think what we're going to see is a lot of what we saw last year. They're going to just pound and pound and pound and pound. And by halfway through the third quarter, I think we're going to start seeing those holes open up. I think you're going to see Baylor start gashing them. And that's when we run away with the football game. We win by between 10 and 14 points. I think this is a perfect game for what? Baylor wants to do an offense, which is pound, pound, pound. And then whenever you're crowding the line, we're going to throw it over the over your head mm-hmm. and score yep. deep. So I look for that. Um, yeah, I just I just don't – I think this is a perfect scenario for, like you were talking about, for Baylor. Coming off of the, the game we just came off of, where, where like Aranda talked about having to sit with that loss for a week and then having a week off to work on all the things that you have seen throughout the year to try to get better at, you know, better executed, better execution, take care of the mistakes, especially on the secondary and, you know, with some of the young players, Gavin Holmes isn't a young player, but he hasn't played a lot. So he's still making some of those mistakes. He had a bad game. I expect him to have a very big game in, um, in Morgantown. Have you ever like committed to do something before that you knew was going to be difficult, but you'd never actually done it? And the moment you start doing it, you're like, holy crap, this is this is this is tougher than I thought it was going to be. And you feel scatterbrained, you feel anxiety, and you're just trying to kind of like make it through. And you're like, I know I can get better at this thing that I've committed to do, whether it's like running a race or riding your bike or a new job or something like that. I think we've all been in those situations, right? Yeah. What helps is when you get that first stop and you get to just go, okay. And you can kind of take a look back and you can look at the things that you did right and the things that you did wrong. And you can look at those things that you did right. And you're like, wow, I'm actually capable of doing this. Like, look at all these things I did right. And then you look at the things you did wrong and you say, oh, okay. Like each one of these is flexible, but the imposter syndrome starts to go away and you start believing that you can do this. That's what the, that's what I feel like this bye week is. And I, I have felt, a, I almost call it like a lack of togetherness or like acceptance of the role from this. Just that's the vibe I get from this Baylor team where there's the older guys that are returning, they have these expectations that they're going to be just as good as they were in the past. And then the new guys that are coming in, it's like, okay, well now I'm replacing these, these guys that everybody loved. And it's so much to take on. And, you know, we've seen Dave Aranda talk about dealing with immaturity, um, dealing with youth. Uh, talk about lot complacency. Uh, yeah. Talk, yeah. He recently. talked about complacency. And I think this is one of those things where, you kind of, you got this, like the vibe was just kind of off 
and you, you've got some nice wins, right? You, you, you beat Iowa state names, even though they're 0 and three, you still can rest your hat on that a little bit and look back and say, look, look at the things that we did, right? We actually scored on this defense that nobody else seems to be able to score on. Awesome. Um, you did a lot of good things against Oklahoma state too. And you're probably maybe five plays away from winning that game. And so you sit down and this is, this is where you get to take your breath and you're like, okay, you know what? I do belong here. And that's kind of what I'm expecting. That's what I expect to see out of this is them to come strong out of this bye week play this Thursday game, then have another couple of days to rest before the Kansas game. And it could be the start of a nice little win streak. I don't, from what I've seen, I'm not sure. I think this is a big 12 title contending Baylor team this year again, but I think that I think this team is going to be kind of better than some of the sky is falling um, stuff that we've seen out there about them. Um, but I'm happy the bye is here. And again, I think this is just the, <sighs> okay. Like I, that's what I think this bye week and it couldn't have come at a better time. Absolutely. And um, I think still, I think that the contending for the big 12 championship is something that is with intending for it's there. I just, what I'm yeah. saying is I just, I don't know if I see it. Yeah, but again, yeah. who knows what this team looks like second half of this year? I mean, right now, I mean, it's only one loss in the uh, in conference, so I think that's pretty much up for grabs because I do think those teams that are at the top right now that don't have a loss, they're going to get losses in conference. So it's all going to. They're not going to. I don't think any of those teams are going to stay undefeated. Oklahoma State, TCU. So, oh yeah, absolutely. If Baylor wins this week. And they're not, definitely not because they play each other. <laughs> so if Baylor wins this week, they're tied for, they'll be tied for second place in the conference. So no matter what. Yeah. I think we need to like chapter breaks a little bit on the, we're going to be six and six, seven and five. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. Up, you know, nine and three. And if we went out 10 and two, but that's a long shot, but still it's, it's something we just got Baylor has to just take care of business, execute better. Like you said, great time to have a bye week, shore up some of the the weak points, and just try to execute better and play their game. Yep, absolutely. Any other um, any other games this weekend outside the Big Twelve that piqued your interest? Um, well, definitely the Tennessee Alabama game because I just think they're due, right? They're due because they haven't looked great. <laughs> You know, and Tennessee's due to win this game. Yeah. And so that one's interesting. Although I think Tennessee may be getting a little bit too ahead of themselves. So, or I say Tennessee fans, I should say. Uh, but other than that, that's probably the biggest one. USC Utah is kind of interesting as the late yeah. night game, or I guess not that late as the seven, but. Um, but Utah, man, they just, they haven't looked great. The one I'm going to stick out there is, um, I, I'm going to call it like the bowl of the, the top 10 teams that won't be in the top 10 at the end of the year. And that's Penn state at Michigan. Yeah. Yes. I just don't think this is a big, good game. Cause I don't know how good Michigan is. Yeah. They're six and oh, but they, they had, a it's probably horrible... the early game I'm going to watch. Like, I don't, I think I'll probably watch this over. They have um, a they had a bad non-conference and then they started off with like some of the weaker games in conference. So I st- you know it's kind of like 
with some of the teams in the Big 12, the schedule set up so so much that I still don't know if they're actually good. Yeah. I think I think legitimately I'm gonna go. I'll I'll probably watch the Penn State Michigan Michigan game in the morning, and then I will have like the TCU Oklahoma State game and the Alabama Tennessee game flipping back and forth on CBS and ABC at two thirty, and then I'll watch the the USC Utah game at seven. I think that's 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 what my day is gonna look like on Saturday. And that's really I'm just looking at the, the top twenty five games. That's about it that I can see. And you mentioned the USC Utah. I mean, UCLA kind of took it to Utah last week. Um, they look really good. Their offense looks really good. So I don't. Chip Kelly doing it again. Yes, yeah, finally, like everything's clicking. Seems like for him, in is this like year five? Yeah, he just needed time to get his guys in there. I guess it's not. It's not the. Uh, it's not the the system that works for every kid. Speaking of getting guys in there. So there was um, a firing in the football world today um, in the NFL. One, Matthew Rule was relieved of his duties at Carolina. Um, and there was some like kind of there, there's been, as always, through, since Matt Rule has got hired to, to this day, there's like a debate between Baylor fans about Matt Rule. Um, so what is your take on Matt Rule, his future, what potentially could be his future? In college football, I, just, I don't care. I don't. I don't have any ill will towards Matt Rule, um, and I don't wish him any. Like I wasn't one of those people that was like, "Oh, I'm a Panthers fan now." Like whatever. No, no, no. Um, I, I, I have always understood the choices that Matt Rule made and why he made them. Yes. And I, I cannot say that I would have made different choices as a Baylor fan. I don't have to be excited about those choices. I can choose to not be mad at him because again, like he turned that's life altering money. And he always wanted to coach in the, we all knew he wanted to be in the NFL. So, okay, great. I thought you picked a stupid team to go coach. And I, I think um, I would have loved to have seen you stay, but I, I just don't care. That's a wild amount of money to turn down. Yeah. He's making a lot of money, but all that guaranteed, just like he, he still owed $40 million. He'll get paid like something. I think it was $848,000 a month for the next four years. If he doesn't, I mean, I'm sure there's offset. If he gets another job, that'll be offset. But if he doesn't get another coaching job, then yes. Or if he's smart and says like, you know what? Let me go do like media work for college football for a year. Yeah, you can pull it off. And still and get 800 and whatever thousand dollars a month. Because I think the offset language is if he has another coaching job. I don't even know if that's the case. It might be if he has another NFL job. Not true. So I don't, I'm not a contract lawyer. I don't know, but no, I, I, I get why people don't like Matt rule. I understand why people do like Matt rule. Um, I, I get why the people that are upset when he left. Um, I don't get people who are still upset about it because things worked out pretty well for Baylor in the long yeah, run but i mean look at the end of the day if you if it's if it's a breakup it doesn't matter if you ended up with the better person if somebody broke up with you you're gonna have some for like there are plenty of people that still hold resentment for that i i get it yeah i don't think um, if you're actively rooting like if you're actively like seeking out to root against matt rule that's weird, but when his name's brought up and you and you, if you have negative feelings for him when his name's brought up, like I don't think that's too weird. That's fine. It's whatever. Yeah. 
But now, again, who cares at, at this as point? Who far cares? As, as far as him getting back into college coaching, I think we kind of talked about this today, text back back and forth about it. You you think that where would be the best landing spot for one Matt Rule? Oh, I th- I told you. I think I, personally, I just don't think he's a fit for a football factory. I think I think at the end of the day, he's not a pure great X's and O's guy. I think the people that he carries with him are not also just like these otherworldly X's and O's guys. I think he builds a solid culture that has the ability to take um, certain types of programs and elevate them above their current level. And so like his name's being, of course, thrown around with Nebraska. I don't think he's a good fit in Nebraska personally. I don't think he would last four years there. Um, I think if he were to go to a Georgia tech or a Colorado, a school like that, I could see him if he decided to stay. Of course, who so knows? I think never, never Georgia Tech it would be the would be the spot because it's it's almost similar to when he took the Baylor job because yes, you have a down program that and they're not gonna that fan base isn't gonna demand like playoff appearances and it's know? in a fertile recruiting ground and you're right close you're in the middle of a fertile recruiting ground so you can he was always great at evaluating talent. We talked about the players we we were missing off of off of the Baylor team. Those all guys we mentioned are all rural recruits. Bernard, oh, Petrie, I guess, technically was a browse recruit. He affirmed with a rule. He, he was coached under rule, blossomed under Aranda, of course. But all those guys, Ty, Bernard, Christian Morgan, all, Christian Morgan, Woods. Yeah, all these guys are rural guys that they evaluated. They were – I guess under recruited players that they singled out and made offers to and became, you know, contributors, if not stars for, for Baylor. Yep. I think if he goes to Georgia tech, his, what his, what he can do is they will be bowl eligible every year, which is not the case right now. And they will have the occasional 10 win possible, like getting to the ACC championship game, or maybe even winning the ACC once every five to 10 years under him. Like that's- you got to think like even in the big 10 ACC, they're getting away with divisions. I think probably next year, if not the year after. And so you don't know who you're like, what, you know, pod or whatever, how your schedule is going to break out. So you may break out and you don't have to necessarily go to Clemson, FSU and North Carolina all in the same year. Yep. So there's potential to where you, you could do exactly that. And then every few years, Competing for a, for a championship, yeah, I in think that, in that I conference because ACC right is a winnable conference. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think a Georgia Tech or a Colorado that's that's the fit where I see Matt Rule being able to thrive. Um, but I, I do I think Nebraska is going to throw a lot of money at him, and I think he ends up in Nebraska. Do you think he would take players or not players, coaches that he worked with at Baylor who maybe no longer at Baylor? They're uh, in West Texas now. I don't think any of them would follow him there. I mean, some of the talent evaluators, you know, they elevated, he elevated like James Blanchard and gave a prominent role in the, in Baylor at Baylor. Correct. But if you were going to follow rule, if, if rule didn't bring you with him to the NFL, why would you go with him now? Well, he did. And then came back to cut to Baylor. Oh, I I think, I think Blanchard's there working with, uh, with Joey for a reason. I don't think he's leaving Joey. So, 
right. I, I don't I don't think rule I don't think rule he'll he'll bring Phil Snow with him wherever he goes and then who also um, got fired today yeah well of course he did um <laughs> that's the rules guy uh he'll bring Phil Snow with him and then he'll hire a, a terrible offensive coordinator <laughs> oh uh, Glenn Thomas coming back at you <laughs> all right let's uh right. Yeah, we're 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 into the world of entertainment football, the NFL. Oh God! Um, so let's talk about real entertainment. Said like I, a true Texans fan, right there. <laughs> um, I have caught up, and today I was okay. able to to catch up on both Hot D and Andor, and holy crap, Viserys! We gotta we gotta give on. it up. I was I was I've been very critical of Viserys, but uh, he came through in the clutch. Yeah, and then he ruined it all at the end. Well, I mean, he. Oh yeah, hot spoilers, hot oh, spoilers yeah. for Hot D. Yeah, um, big spoilers. So, but I want to give it up. I'm I'm pretty sure that was his last breath. Um, so so long. Yeah, he's definitely dead, King Viserys. You. Or sometimes very soft. Most of the times, no one believed you when they say they can take out your tongue. Um, but in the end, two things I know about you: you definitely do love your daughter. That's for sure, no doubts. But uh, I also want to give it up for Patty Constantine, who just absolutely killed it as Viserys Targaryen, and should win like all the awards next year. Yeah, Patty Considine is just it's it's one of the best best acting jobs I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and just, if you've seen him like out he had to of play makeup, like four different I, characters within the same character. Yeah, because it's just amazing. He did such a great job. And just I can't say enough about the the portrayal, especially this episode. He did such a good job in this episode of you know, portraying this man is like on, you know, feeble on his deathbed. And of course they do a lot of like CGI with making him look sick and stuff, but the portrayal from Patty was just so good. I just can't get enough of it. Yeah, absolutely not. I cannot get enough of it. I'm going to miss it because you're right. That was absolutely his last breath. Yeah, he, he was great. So you said you did get caught up. So let's just rewind it back to last episode, the previous episode seven, um, which was the funeral of Lena Targaryen, Damon's wife, um, who had herself jacarist by her dragon. What did you think about that episode? Uh, you know, it was interesting because in in the book, I know that there is there's accounts where people believe like Damon was responsible for her death. And you can kind of see where there's like the reason why people would see that. But it's interesting yeah. to see the way that the show takes it and shows you that like he makes a different decision than his brother makes. Yeah. Like, given the same scenario. And there is a humanity to Damon that we see in this episode that we haven't yeah. really seen before. And a sense that he actually like, he kind of is happy and he just wants to, to be like, all right, I'm done with it all. 
and yeah, like he doesn't want to go back to Westeros. He doesn't want to go back to the political infighting. He's he's like he, well, he's like I think that's what he's like. I think he found a woman that he respects, like a fellow dragon rider, somebody that he respects, somebody that's strong. I think he legitimately loves his kids, and he's just he's he's sitting here going like, you know what? I, this isn't this isn't what I've always wanted, but I found enough. Is what I got the vibe from him. Is like okay, this is enough for me. Yeah. And it was Lena who's actually, she wanted to die a dragon rider's death. You know, right. she wasn't, this wasn't her lifestyle that she so, craved. Yeah. So in this episode, you know, we start with the, you know, her funeral and it immediately like with her death and like this going away, it's almost like the, as, as her casket is going into the water, we're taken immediately into political fighting. Just immediately. Yeah. It was just tense. Everyone there was like, this is just, it was such a good episode. This one just because not a lot happened as far as, you know, it was all really set on, I guess. Yeah, the pieces is, on the board aren't moving much here. Yeah. So, they, and this is all like, uh, what is it? Driftmark? Is that? Driftmark. And the episode's even called Driftmark. So it's all set here. Like, and all of our main characters are all in this one spot. And, it's really just moving people into like factions after the, uh, the funeral or this wake or whatever. And it, it would, but it, even though that happened, it was, I was like fixated on it. I just thought it was such a good episode. Yeah. I really liked it. Um, you know, one of the, one of the major pieces that we see move is, is the sea snake all the, and his wife also lose their other child. Yes, so this is a departure from the book. So he, well, well, hold on. In the book, he dies. Yes. They yes. fake his death here. <laughs> yeah, they fake his death here. And again, the book is told from unreliable sources and conflicting accounts. But so I could see where if this is the definitive what happened. Like the show tells you like what happened. I could see if you go back and someone would write down or tell the story of how Lanor was killed because that's the prevailing thought within the realm. Yep. And, and they, they even, think they, they had Rhaenyra and Damon even talk about this where, um, you know, that they're going to, they're People are going to think you did this, like that. This was us that we schemed. Yeah. And Rhaenyra even says like, that's fine. Like that will make them fear us. Like they'll say, they need to fear you. Yeah. So, and this is, this is part of that plan. Like not only are you freeing Lenor to go with the man that he loves to go live a life where their name doesn't matter and they can be who they want to be across the narrow sea outside of Westeros you're you're also planting the seed of you know fearful authority about who both Damon and Rhaenyra are yeah and it's kind of whenever Rhaenyra and Damon are having this conversation on the beach you know it kind of goes back to he he doesn't want to be king he never you know they talk about like his his ambition he's really not ambitious in that regard he wanted to be his brother's hand of the king he wanted to be there to help him and then when you see them talking on the beach and renee says i need you and that's all he really ever wanted 
was for someone to say, join my side. I need you by my side. Yep. And then, and then he's, he's all in with, with Rhaenyra from that point. And then you get also during this whole like night scene, you have young Amon out there wandering around and he comes upon a, I guess he, he's tied down or Vagar. Well, he's just sleeping. He's, he's just, just sleeping. She, or okay. she, she, Vagar, Vagar, she's just sleeping. She's just chilling. And she has her, she has her saddle on her. Okay. And so he doesn't have a dragon yet. And he goes and claims Vagar. Much to the consternation of the young Targaryen, Elena's uh, daughters, Bela. And they confront him after he comes back from a, you know, a joyride, I guess, getting used to Vagar. And there's a little, little scuffle breaks out. Just, yeah, a little, a uh, little scuttlebutt. Yeah, but he's way more confident than he was around, when he left. as they said when I was a kid. And then he calls the uh, the little Valarian boys bastards. And I mean, he has a rock. He's going to, I think he's pretty much set to kill him. Well, he's strangling. Um, yeah. Strangling one of them. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, I think is his name. Luke. I think, no, I think he was strangling. Jace. Jace. Okay. Because Luke had is the one that had the knife. Luke's the one that okay. took his eye. But yeah, so he's and then Jace throws some dirt in his eye, kind of distracts him. And then Luke goes in and cuts that eye. thing out, gives cuts him the, a sweet scar, makes him look yeah. like uh one of the one of the the secondary characters from one of the the Yakuza games. Yeah. So then King's Guard break it up. Um they go into, I guess, the the Great Hall or whatever. They're on um, Driftmark, and they're having kind of like figuring out what what happened, what's going on, what are we gonna do about this? And that's when Allison loses it. Bro, that was such a good scene. Yeah, that was an amazing scene. So before we even get that, though, you've got this. Her kids are just—they've got this. Like, do we tell her mom? Like, do we do we say it was her? in front of everybody because you've got you've got Viserys demanding oh, yeah. to know who he is looks right at her that with his, his one daughter, eye yeah like who, who is and then who he is throws this rumor then he throws his mother under the bus looks at his mom and Viserys sees him look at his mom and then he says Aegon it's a smart play because Aegon's yeah. a doofus and and Aegon's also like he knows person. Viserys isn't going to do anything to him yeah Aegon sucks and it, we'll talk about the next episode. He continues to suck even more as his life progresses. But yes, it is a smart play. And then Aegon basically tells Viserys, you know, we all know. And that's when he makes his big whoever questions Rhaenyra's legitimacy kids, of my daughter's children. I'll cut out their tongue. Yes. And then Allison <laughs> orders Sir Kristen to take take one of Rhaenyra's kids eyes this was great because she says you're sworn to me and he's like as your protector I'm not your like goon well and it's also because you've got the 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 head of the king's guard looking at him like 
because he knows like if he makes a move on one of the princes like the head of the king's guard is going to make a move on him like there's there and damon is, it wouldn't just be the head it wouldn't just be like yeah and damon Harold as we see in about five seconds when yeah. he goes to defend allison and damon gets in the way but no allison steals the dagger that's eventually used to kill the night king <laughs> yeah the cat's ball dagger and, and assaults Rhaenyra with it and Rhaenyra is just the calmest person in the world for having a knife that's about to be shoved into her own face which is making Allison look more and more like she's gone mad and she says you know something about like the the weight uh, the weight of it all or the weight of the cloak must have been so heavy on yeah, you under like, your own righteousness yeah all you know but now everybody sees you for who you really are yeah in this this in this one, Viserys was like probably the softest because not only did she steal the blade from you and question your authority, and she assaulted the heir and drew blood. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Allison's head should be on a spike. Yeah, uh, I mean, you did it in front king. of all these witnesses, in front of the king himself, and nothing. Well, I mean. It's an ongoing tradition of things happening in front of the king, and there's just no consequences. First, it was Kristen murdered a dude at a wedding feast, and all we know is nothing happened to him. He's still in, in the king's guard. Allison draws the heir to the Iron Throne's blood, and nothing happens to her. And then yeah, we'll dude, talk she about- could have killed her. She she yeah. got her on like a, a, a an artery spot on the arm. And then there were events in this latest episode, episode eight, in front of the king. Nothing happens either, justified or not. So, I mean, he was the, the weakest to me in this episode. Um, episode seven, Viserys. But we do, we do see that Viserys is still siding with Rhaenyra at least a little bit here, and but we're seeing that the tensions yeah. are boiling over. Yes, um, and, and it was a great scene. Yeah, we see criticism of Corlys Valerian. I think that's another key piece here of yeah. how he only cares about he. You know, he's willing to legacy. sacrifice his own children for his legacy. For, right, his legacy. We hear a great line from him in this one too, talking about whether or not. Um, Rhaenyra's kids are of his blood and should they carry on and lead Driftmark and he looks at his wife and Rhaenys and says history does not remember blood history remembers names yeah I mean because he knows I mean they both kind of know like well they don't kind of know they both fully know that they fully know where their son related to them and they know their sons where their sons interests lie yeah they know he's gay and so they don't outright say it and but everyone is aware and so it's yeah that's a great line and also you see like i love damon in this scene in the hall because he kind of he's just leaning up against the wall kind of watching everything not he's not really involved until he inserts himself whenever allison goes to rhaenyra with a knife um and in the He's kind of just he's just leaning up against the wall and he kind of it's kind of what he does. But you also what I loved about this scene is at the end of it, whenever kind of the dust is settling, you see the two like kind of factions form. There's like this overhead shot where you see 
the greens, which is what the, the name is dropped by Rhaenyra on in this episode for the high tower side. And in the books, it's called the blacks, which is the Targaryen Rhaenyra side. Mm-hmm. And then you see them kind of form their they're like little like groups so of who who gathers around whom and it's just a great shot what is what was your favorite moment of this latest episode as we talked like this this last one that we had this weekend we talked about patty considine this i think okay. this was his this was his swan song episode where uh, i think it was by far we saw just some amazingness where you talked about his he, him appearing weak in previous yeah. episodes. He in this latest one was the most physically weak, but I think yeah. was the most um, abstractly um, strong in, in this latest episode. What was True. your like? Did you have a moment for you in this latest one with Patty Considine, King King Viserys? Um, that stuck out to you? Um, well, when he enters the Great Hall, whenever they're doing like the petitions from the Hand of the King, Otto Hightower, and you hear like, you know, this has kind of already been, you know, Vaymond has already met with Otto and Alicent and kind of set his, you know, case, pled his case in front of them in the, I guess the, uh, the, cou- the great council, council room. room. Yeah, the great council room. And then, you know, so ostensibly this is like a decision that's been made like they're gonna side with Damond. and then when Rhaenyra is trying to give her petition the doors open and you hear the announcement of you know King Viserys versus his name you know and the whole all the titles and then it's this long walk down in front of everybody everyone's kind of shocked I just not just that he's there but like how he looks and how he's moving and how how he because I guess he doesn't make. I mean, they've been ruling in his since he's been in bad health in his stead. The hand of the king has. And my favorite moment was when he's trying to go up the steps to the Iron Throne, and he kind of, I guess, stumbles, and a king's guard comes and he says, "I'll do it. You know, leave me alone." And then he stumbles again. The crown falls off, and you see someone approach. And you know, he kind of goes to say, "Like I said, leave me alone." And then you see that it's Damon, his brother. And then he kind of stops himself and lets Damon help him because Damon says, go on or, or something of like that. And he helps him up to the Iron Throne and puts the crown on his head. And that moment was amazing to me. That was, yeah. The only criticism I had was that scene took too long. It was, oh it yeah. Took, it took him forever. to get down the all the way down to the throne took forever. And I guess they were trying to show us the weight of of like how but I was, there was a point where I was just like, oh my god, I get it. No, no, like I, I like scrubbed ahead like five seconds. Um, that scene like, was yeah, amazing. The one that I loved the most was later on when he, you know, after he he tells uh, Otto Hightower he wants to have supper. Otto's like, but it's morning, <laughs> you silly. Yeah, drink more of this heroin. Um, yeah, but uh, milk of the yeah, poppy. They're doing just Allison heroin. And, yeah, Alice and Otto are basically keeping him drugged, drugged yeah, at this point. Yeah, um, he realizes it after Rhaenyra and Damon come to talk to him. They kind of bring him to his senses. But he, he wants to have this supper. He says, "No, I want to have it tonight. I want everybody in my family there." And the thing that was so impressive to me was, like, 
his presence when he takes off the mask and he shows that he's like yeah. he's missing an eye, his cheek is rotted out. You can see his teeth moving on the inside of his face while he's talking. Yeah. Um, and he like makes demands and really for the first time is like, you know, instead of just rolling his eyes and being like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like he's he's at the very end of his life and he's like, okay, damn it. Everybody stop. And he's and he says he's like, do it for He's like, eh, don't do it because I'm the king. Like, do it because I'm your dad. I'm your husband. I'm your grandfather. Like, for yeah. the love of God, just none of you would exist in the station that you exist in the world right now if it were not for me, with the exception of maybe David. Uh, but without him, none of them are anything. So, you know, I, I that's something to think about. Like, he really, truly does have this a great legacy for a guy that, didn't seem to do much as a king he didn't conquer anything um he kind of just carried the torch forward there were no wars that were going on he didn't have any great political movements he didn't change anything for the better or the worse the the battle in the stepstones was won by damon and it wasn't even completed because now that now it's going on again the triarchy's back um but he has this huge family that lays out before him that he's been able to cultivate and create but he has not been a good, you know, shepherd of that family of keeping them together and keeping them um, on the same team. And is he finally, I think, realizes that this is his last ditch attempt. And I was very impressed in the in the dinner scene. Um, but as we see, and I thought this was very allegorical, the moment that he has to leave the dinner and he is out of the room, um, things change immediately. Oh yeah, and my I will go back. I'm gonna go back to the the when they're petitioning in the the throne room. The, what another scene I liked is after Damon doesn't get his outcome he wants, and he he kind of goes in on 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 the king and his ruling and how he runs his house, and then he turns. Oh yes, yeah. This is this is the like, the brother of Corliss Valeria. <laughs> Yes. And he says, I don't have my house, like my lines stopped by this. And he kind of pauses and it goes to Damon and he says, he can hear me. He goes, say it. Like he wants, he's looking for this. Then he calls the boys bastards and then takes it a step further and calls Rhaenyra a whore, which what are you doing, bro? I mean, mean, well, no, here's the deal. Like if you're going to say it, say it with your chest. Like at this point, don't hold anything back. (laughs) Yeah, but you're there in front of a the king who's her father and then her husband who's historically unstable right behind you you had to know like you know you you're gonna get got at that point i mean you have no one who's done it on your side even your sister-in-law had went the other way previously so like no one's there to on your side in that room and the high towers definitely aren't there that you know they can see the writing on the wall they're not going to step up for you either and then damon just like doesn't decapitate him but he like cuts through his like jawline like diagonally so he cuts it like top of yeah, his head yeah he off. basically cuts right between the teeth which is amazing i mean well Viserys stands up and says i'll have your tongue or something like that but, but I mean, by the the timing of it, 
like basically Damon's rearing back during Viserys saying this because when it cuts back, like he's mid swing, and he just says uh, he can keep his tongue. It was just great. Yeah, Damon Damon rocks it, and we also see that that um, Viserys does confirm that. Yeah, there is there is no doubt of the lineage of his daughter's children and that they will not be questions. So he, she asks him, she says like, if you put this burden on me, like I need you to defend me. Yes. Like, yeah. I need you to have my back, please, for the love of God. And she pointedly asks him, do you believe in the song of ice and fire? The thing that you've told me, like if that's truly yeah. the case here, you put this burden on me. And I think in her bringing of the song of ice and fire, it's kind of what kicks him out of this. Um, then we get to this, we get to this supper scene where we have, and it's almost like everybody loves each other for about a minute where Rhaenyra breaks this, this, uh, you know, this, uh, these chains of, of hate that kind of exists between her and Alicent and stands up yeah. and basically says like, look, I don't have to like you and we've had our differences and all that, but I can truthfully say like you have been actually a really badass wife to my dad and you have taken care of him you've been there for him you've never complained about it um but you know i've been gone i haven't even been here helping him and you have so like thank you for that yes and then leave it up to amen to amen is like very much like damon target in a sense like he just wants to stir it up and so he gives his little uh, toast to the, his nephews, I guess, and calls them strong. You're grown up to be very strong boys, which is just a, you know, double entendre, like, because their biological father's name is strong. And it's just another way of, another way of calling them bastards. Yeah. And that causes and he even a says, He even says, like, you know, when Allison gets mad at him and she says, like, what the, what is your problem, you asshole? He's like, I'm just being proud of my my family. Why can't they like? Shouldn't they be as well? Like, and it's just he's the worst. Yeah, and he looks like a psychopath. So um, it's going to be interesting moving forward. So, do you have any? You said you've read some bullet points. So you kind of, I guess, you know, kind of what's going to happen. I know the okay. So I I will say this: like, I know Rhaenyra's fate. That okay. is the only thing I like. I know Rhaenyra's fate and I know the ultimate like w- who ends up like who ends up on stabilizing the, yeah. the throne. Like I, okay. I know, I know that part. Um, like I couldn't tell you what happens to Damon. I couldn't tell you what happens to Allison specifically. I couldn't tell you what happens to Otto Hightower, um, that kind of stuff. But I, I yeah. do know for a fact what happens to Rhaenyra. Okay. And, yeah. So which I will not spoil for, for y'all. Okay. So there are there are two episodes left, I think, of this season. This is episode eight. So you have the penultimate episode next week and then the finale. Um, and normally, based off of what the showrunners yes. have said, this sh- we should get a conclusion on this story because they said this is the house house of the dragon. This is not in, in what this season appears to be covering so far is what we know of as the dance of dragons, which is... I, uh, if you haven't figured it out yet a big civil war i don't know if um, i agree with that and so i based on what little, the showrunners have said yeah. is 
the the show is not just the dance of dragons it is the history of the house targaryen so i'm guessing we will get to a conclusion in the next two episodes of of the dance of the dragons this will be an enclosed story and then in the future seasons we will see other self-contained stories that involve uh things with the with the targaryen house i would disagree with that okay i think you're gonna see because they've taken so much time leading up to this like i would have said yes if we would have started off with if this was episode like two and you know this particular what happens in episode eight happens and it was episode two like you started here absolutely but since they've taken so much to build up within the time jumps to kind of set the stage i think you're probably going to get two seasons of the dance of the dragons because there's so much that's yet to happen there's no way you can wrap yeah up but they've every- already skipped so much yeah, the, but not of the Dance of the Dragons. This is all in the lead up. So basically in the Fire and Blood, all this is lead up. This has been like a chapter. Right. And so you have like, there's two like, they kind of condensed two stories. There was the Rogue Prince, which was about Damon, And then you had the Princess and the Queen, which is kind of what we've been watching is Princess and the Queen. Those stories. Then there's a whole like the Dance of Dragons stories that we haven't even touched on yet. Gotcha. Which I think will start next from what I know and what I think is going to happen. You're going to see this kind of the same scenario. There's going to be, you know, of course, I think we both think Viserys, he took his last breath. So there's going to be a lot of, I think this next episode is going to be a lot of political. I think, okay. So if you are correct and and they, they slow play this a little bit more, then I will say this. I don't know. I think I don't know if we'll get more than five to ten minutes of Rhaenyra and Damon in the next episode. I think I think then if that's the case, if we're going to slow play it a little bit more, then I think we're going to see a heavily Alicent focused episode in the next one. Yeah. So. How, how comfortable are you with you know, like book, book spoilers? I mean, I, I don't care. I mean, because. Now, this is in the books, so if you don't want to know, and if you're listening to this, you know, stop listening. Turn it off, turn it off. Turn, turn it off. off, you know, skip ahead like 30 seconds or whatever. But, so in the book, he, you know, Viserys dies. They don't tell anyone. Like, correct. Auto, I know that. And then they go and have Aegon crowned as correct. king. Yep. And then one of the Kingsguard, you know, they basically steals um, Viserys' crown because they give Aegon has a different crown, doesn't have the one his, his father had, and goes to Dragonstone and he tells um, Rhaenyra, right? Correct. And you see that she is she's pregnant in the show. So she, she miscarries due to this news. He, they give her her throne. They get, she gets crowned there. And then, like, Damon's name, Protector of the Realm. And it kicks off the, the Civil War. That particularly, they send people out to try to, right now, and then Rhaenyra starts, okay, we need, like, allies. So then they go all throughout the realm, getting allies and people claiming one way or another. So so if they do the slow play and they don't close this up in a nice bow in this season, what my prediction is, I think, next episode is you're going to see Allison and Otto set their pieces on the board. Yeah. And, and then I think you're, and then the last episode will be the King's guard informing, informing Rhaenyra and her beginning to set her pieces on the board. So I think 
if we go through the if they do the Game of Thrones formula to where like episode nine, there's either a large set piece or a a big death. I think what you're probably going to see is a big death from one of the main characters or main players or an important player. And I think that's what you'll see in this episode. And then the the next one will be kind of just setting the board for what's to come for the actual, because there's a lot of battles, like tons and tons of battles that happen during this whole civil war. And I think that's what you'll see is like a major death in episode nine. And then wrapping up the season, setting this, you know, the stage for season two. All right. I could Excellent. see it being two seasons and then transitioning to more of like a um, anthology series to where you do jump around with Targaryen history. Like or we were it could talking just about. be they're starting here and then they're, they'll they'll lead us up to the Mad King. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing them go back. Like I would love to see like a egg on the conqueror store or even in like other stories. This is the most fleshed out story in the fire and blood is this one. Right. And then, so uh, I could see this being two or three seasons and then like, or like you said, leading up to the, the mad King, maybe even we, they, they they have this whole like targeting history. So it's, they can do whatever they want. Absolutely. All right. We are, we are at We're an super hour and long. a half, so let's yeah. let's let's save the Andor. We can do we could even do like an Andor blowout episode once Game of Thrones is done. Okay, yeah, because we are long today, and um, so yeah, we can do Andor because well, there's we'll do, a lot. We'll there's a lot of Andor. I t- let's let's do this. Let's bring Peter on for a big blowout Andor uh, okay. episode. Yeah, because we do still have several episodes, like half of Andor's list. Of, yeah, we got we half like of six Andor. more episodes. I think they, of Andor. If you're keeping up with Andor, like we've we, they haven't even done anything yet. Like nothing has happened. Yes, yes, <laughs> but it's also riveting, and I love watching it. Yeah, I absolutely adore it. Um, okay, what else are you watching besides Andor in this? Um, college football. That's pretty much it. Gotcha. Much I'm watching Rings watching. of Power, which you are just absolutely procrastinating on. Well, I think I. Th- Think there's only one episode left maybe there's what i think there's one episode remaining like the finale when this is like the was this that, the penultimate eight? i think, um, I think I yeah i think somewhere. it's in the right spot for one um yeah i i, I think that's correct based so off of how everything's playing out after so. house of the dragon i'll probably just watch all of rings of power gotcha i don't think i'm watching anything else no I can't think of anything that really jumps off that I've been watching. Yeah, just football, man. Football just, and now baseball because the playoffs are here. Yeah, it's really my weekends are like Thursdays from through the weekend is football, Sunday nights, House of the Dragon. I sprinkle in Andor on Thursdays. So, I mean, I'm just keeping up with She-Hulk, but that's more just like a guilty pleasure <laughs> at this gotcha. point. All right, but Matt, no, that's all I got. Find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Workman. You can find me there i'm extremely online so I'm, I'm pretty much always on twitter and you can find the podcast at the baritone pod also on twitter at how about you uh you can find me on twitter at the underscore joe underscore goodman uh look for me around on rdailybears.com as well and you can also find the podcast at the now are y'all doing like a that playback 
for yes, Thursday we will game? be doing a watch party Thursday night for okay, sure. Cool, we'll, cool. we'll send out an article tomorrow or Wednesday about it. Awesome. All right, man. That's all I got. Excellent. Matt, until next time, sick of bears. Sick of bears. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.